Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's it's everyone's voices in this in this argument for diversity is being heard because, you know, this issue, whether you understand it fully or not, or, you know, you are aware of it or not, it, you know, clothes, it, it touches everyone, mm. you know, and that's just clothing, beauty, fashion, everything that we are advertised. I'm your host, Natalie Dronovac, and this is The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. To kick off season two, I invited Chelsea Bonner, who is the founder and executive director of Bella Model Management, and brought back Jessica Vandelay, an outspoken and successful curve model, to discuss diversity in the fashion industry. As I've become more aware of the lack of diversity, it's become shockingly apparent that when you don't see yourself in the mainstream media, you can begin to question where it is exactly that you belong. The consequence of having an instilled sense of otherness can have lasting negative impacts on your well-being. Because of this reality that many women are facing, I wanted to talk with them both to understand why we should have more diversity, why we need it, what is the absence of it doing to us as individuals and society? And who exactly decided that these are the norms that we should continue to live by? Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Jess, thank bringing you. you back. Chelsea, yes. thank you for being here. Problem. So let's kick off with rapid fire. What's your favorite decade for fashion? Um, I think my favorite decade for fashion would probably be the 70s I just loved the wildness of it anything goes and um, I remember my mum's dress-up box when I was a little girl and it was just full of all the crazy 70s outfits and crazy jackets and boots and yeah so I really loved that you know idea of freedom and for you Jess um, I would say I've sort of got this um, I love I love the noughties I, I think for me that was when I was discovering um, clothes and the way to express myself and fashion and it was a little bit like, you know, tail end of the 90s so it was all sp spaghetti straps, paschetti, that's what I was going to say, uh, spaghetti straps and, um, you know, kind of clunky heels and, you know, I, I found that time really interesting um, because, yeah, that was just the time that I was discovering fashion and I'd really you know, I, I would save my magazines and like, you know, look at the pages and try and find something in my cupboard that I could make, you know, the same sort of outfit as like a, you know, Stephen Mysell ad or something like that, you know. So, yeah, I was very much into it. Favourite childhood movie? Oh, it's a tough one, but I, I, I think girls just want to have fun. 
with um, Sarah Jessica Parker when she was really young and um, Helen Hunt, I think it was. And, you know, there was dancing, they were escaping and crawling out of bedroom windows and, um, you know, wearing all these crazy outfits. And I think there was even a horse or a unicorn or something at the end. (laughs) And we watched that. We probably watched that about a million times, my sisters and I. Uh, and lastly, who, which Spice Girl were you? I was definitely no Spice Girl at all. If there was a <laughs> like a rockabilly or a goth version of the Spice Girls, I might have been involved in that. But yeah, that popular music type of not your that was thing, just not my thing. You know, I'd be Eartha Kit if I could be anyone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Uh, well, I was. Uh, I think. I was always made to be Scary Spice because, you know, hair and everything like that. And I did love her. I thought she was, you know, probably one of the most interesting. I still remember seeing the wannabe video when I was at a holiday house down in Cronulla and um, seeing this girl, like, jump on the, you know, stage, like, down the stairs with the curly hair. But I I always wanted to be posh. I said that this morning. (laughs) Everyone always wants to be posh. And then then someone said to me today, everyone still just wants to be posh. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So speaking of style and expression, um, I really wanted to have this conversation with you both to really shape a voice for diversity. And uh, it really was sprung, especially from that post you shared initially when it came to fashion week with squinting to see that size diversity. And it kind of went a bit bananas, but it made me start to question and wonder. And so I'd love to start there and say, why should we have diversity in fashion? Uh, Do you want to take this one first, Chels? Well, I mean, you know, I've been fighting for diversity in fashion for well over 20 years now, as most people know, and it started as size diversity and over the years, uh, you know, the more, the less you see of things, the more you want to include in that conversation. So it's become a broader and broader and broader conversation around, you know, ageism, around ethnicity, around, you know, size, you know, gender. So for me, it's it's really moved on from what it initially was around size. And it's so important because if you keep holding up one ideal of beauty to the world and everyone is trying to fit that one ideal, that's how we end up with the suicide rates we're looking at now, with the eating disorder rates that we're looking at now, Um, you know, with our children on more medication than ever before on a younger age, it, it absolutely messes with who you are and it's about belonging everybody needs to feel like they belong somewhere in life and that's why we often see people who are just outside the norm are attracted to subcultures and not always really healthy subcultures either but they're trying to find a tribe they're trying to find somewhere to belong and we need to offer that in the mainstream and say it's just so fine to be you it's it's actually the best thing you can be is completely unique and we need to celebrate that so that we can stop all these kids dying and, and women my age too, you know, starving themselves to death, living on laxatives. It's, it's such a multi-layered problem and the people are so brainwashed by the advertising industry to believe that that is the only way to be that often the people in control of the visuals that you see and the models that you see are so brainwashed they don't even know they're brainwashed themselves. And so when I'm talking to them, it's never from a place of anger. I'm trying to educate because I know they have been just as brainwashed as everybody else and until you pull outside of it, and I think Jess will agree with this, once the blinkers come off, you can't go back. 
So, but it takes a while to help people, you know, see the light. Yeah. And, um, and so that's what I do every day. You know, in very basic marketing, they teach you um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And like you said, the belongingness is something that you actually need to convey to someone to either make them feel inadequate so you can sell them something or make them exactly. feel like they belong so you can sell them something. Yeah. So it's like they, it's these people behind, uh, you know, advertising and marketing and, and the media, they, they're aware of what they're doing, you yes. know. So at some point it's, it's a real duty of care and um, now it's just cruel because the evidence is out there. We know that, you know, people, social media has been a great tool for people to clap back and call out, you know, mm. what they're feeling and how they're feeling and tell these companies directly. Um, and you know, now if, if they don't get on board with showing different sizes, ages, races, you know, basically embracing the individuals, um, instead of the way someone looks and making them a, you know, yeah. a cookie and cutter are too smart version. Now. Yeah. Not falling for that as much yeah. anymore. And they shouldn't. Um, unfortunately, there's still a, a large population that do still, they don't understand marketing as a as a, I mean, it's a form of mind control. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And um, they don't realise they're being manipulated on a subconscious level. Yeah. And so, and that's where we see the problems with suicides and eating disorders and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. But then once once you awake and you can see the whole thing for what it is, you just can't go back. Yeah. And we're, so we're finding people are waking up more every single day and yeah. just saying, no, and that fear-based marketing is no longer working. Like, and by fear-based, I mean if you don't own this, or if you don't look like this, or you don't look like you know our model, or you're not wearing our shoes, you don't belong in our gang. So everyone would run out and buy that. Like, oh, you know, I've got to belong in the gang. I need to have those shoes. Um, we're seeing a real split now. There's still those people who are doing that, but we're also seeing this real, um, really strong pushback against that type of messaging saying, don't tell me what bloody shoes I'm going to wear. You know, that's ridiculous. Mm. So I kind of, I love it because I've been in it since the beginning. So I love watching women and men pushing back against all of this hyper reality Mm. that is just unachievable. Yeah. It's too expensive. It's too exclusive. Yeah. And it's it's not fun to make no. something like that. I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's, and it's literally causing mental illness. Yeah. You well, know. On that note, do you think that the rise in mental illness is because of the fact of how um, accessible we have it? Because we have our iPhones, because it's right in our pockets. Social media makes it into straight into my mind. Whereas I used to have to buy a magazine. I used to have to seek it out. Whereas, so if I didn't pick up a magazine, I wouldn't necessarily have it in my face that I wasn't seeing myself. Whereas now, because I have my Instagram, I'm seeing Fashion Week all over the world. I'm seeing all the models being portrayed all over the world. Do you think that's an inc- that's the other aspect of why it's increased? Absolutely. Or do you if think it was you, always there? It was always there, but it, on a different level. As you say, it wasn't as readily accept, you know, accessible. And But if you look at the stats of uh, mental health in general... Um, men's mental health as well because, you know, we've got to remember that this um, highly visual world that we're living in, images are 60,000 times more powerful than words. So everybody are looking at these images of these highly curated lives online and not what's really going on underneath, feeling like they are never, ever going to be able to live up to that. And, 
you know, killing themselves. And if you look at the graphs, they're terrifying. You see around 2004 when Facebook and all of that started to really take off and you watch the graphs and they align completely with mental health, eating disorders, suicide rates, you know, and uh, other things like surgery, you know, cosmetic surgery, body surgery. The FOMO factor was just yeah, like yeah. through probably through yeah. – I'm just speaking anecdotally. I, I don't yeah. know the statistics but I can I – can, I can definitely, you know, from what I've read and, and the things that I've, I've looked at, it, it's, it, it is that level of being bombarded. You know, we do have our mm. technology that does bombard us. But I will say, you know, there, there is an element of social media that has been able to be a tool for people to push back. Yes. Um, so that's great. But at the same time, we do have to – it's so new. You know, this mm. technology is so new and we're so um, – we're not supposed to be – I don't know how to, we're not supposed to be this connected to, we were, we're supposed mm. to have a, a tribe of people, you know, I, yeah. I think, and a village. You know, mm-hmm. a village, we're not supposed to know what someone is doing immediately over the other side of the world. That is too much for our brains, I think in a lot of ways, mm. and we're still trying to figure out this technology. So, you know, we just, you know, I think people who are need to learn how to use it for good yeah. and not for evil. Totally. You know? So, we need to, you know, use it to raise awareness for things that people need help with around the world, not a new lipstick. Yeah. You know, that's that sort of stuff that drives me nuts. I um, I recently watched an interview and I wish I could remember the gentleman's name, but he's all about why we should get off social media. And one of the things he talks about is that the exchange between me in real life and you in real life, uh, the value in that versus the exchange of me through Instagram, it's a cheaper exchange, but we're getting more of it. Mm. So the values of how our human interaction is... Well, loneliness yeah. has become that's, an epidemic. Yeah. An epidemic. True. And, you know, people won't leave their houses and go to real life functions and parties and dinner parties because they've digitally manipulated themselves so much. They don't even look like the images that they portray to other people that they are. And that is absolutely terrifying. Terrifying to me that, you know, you can't show up in real life because you've created an avatar of yourself that you know, you can't live up to. Yeah, that was a great filter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, it is, I, I totally get that, like, um, idea of, you know, I, I, that would be my worst fear is, like, I have a social media presence, you know, I use social media. Mm. I think we, that's the thing. I'm saying we're not supposed to be, you know, it's still something we have to engage in. It's there and it's it, it does do, you know, it is fun, you know, for some parts of it and, and I don't mind engaging in it but I think you have to be aware of the real world while you're engaging right. in the digital yeah. world and the thing is that is my, that would be my fear. Is, though, that people like you and I know what is reality yeah. and what is not but a lot, there's way, way more people who don't work in our industry do not understand it. No. And so they think that it's real. Yeah. And that's the scary part. And to turn know. up, but to turn up somewhere and have people be like, oh, my God. Like, and, I, you know, to be honest, I've met people and I'm like, wow, I really, like, yeah. I didn't think that was you. Like, you know, because they've created, like you said, yeah. an avatar yeah. for themselves. And I... And you can feel it's their kind of insecurity in the real world is quite palpable. Yes. Um, I'm sure that's not everyone, but I can just say there have been a few instances where I've met people and I can I can feel them yeah, visibly I've uncomfortable because f- they're physically standing in front of people. Of bloggers and mm. social media influencers in real life behind the scenes at different events and they're almost socially 
inept, you mm. know. They're, it's almost like a social phobia mm. that they have and uh, you just want to give them a hug and it's like, oh, it's all right, come out of the corner. But, mm. you know, they only feel safe behind their computers yeah. and that's because I think of the lack of real-time conversation that people have. You know, you don't yeah. sit down and talk anymore mm. and you know so on every level it's social media kind of terrifies me <laughs> so on that note why do we assume or expect that fashion has to be this benchmark for diversity i mean all industries need to be a benchmark for diversity but specifically because of both of your experiences like oh. let's talk fashion here yeah why is it so important because I want to add in, uh, I went through, as I call it, the cesspool of social media and comments under your article, Jess. Yeah. And uh, someone wrote, with a waif, the clothes are the star, as it should be. So if you take into that context, and fashion is technically about clothing, but now we're talking about self-expression and other people and bodies. If, mm-hmm. if clothing is the primal thing, or the main thing, I should say, then why, why do we then use fashion as this benchmark for diversity? Well, I think that comment's offensive to the girl wearing the dress in the first place. I mean, she's a human being. Yeah, that's you know, she has no personality the, yeah. or nothing to, yeah, you know, the, that's crazy. That's so, to, to, I think sometimes the criticism, and this is why I wanted to be clear in my kind of comment on Fashion Week, which is there are beautiful thin women and mm. there are gorgeous thick women and there are gorgeous women in between Absolutely. and above and beyond. And I think this notion that, you know, oh, well, we can just forget the woman wearing the dress and just focus on the clothes. I mean, that's in and of itself pretty disrespectful to a model in the industry, you know, whose career is to wear clothes and like... It's the most idiotic bring- thing. I mean, it gets brought up all the time, that that statement. And I'm like, but who the hell is wearing the clothes? Yeah. Women are wearing yeah, the clothes. Exactly. You know, so... She's that, giving life to the dress. That's or- insane in itself. It takes away from the design of the dress. Well... Who do you think is going to wear the damn thing? So that, I mean, it's just an absolutely absurd statement. Yeah. And I think also the most interesting fashion shows are the ones that are kind of showcasing, you know, it is a little bit theatrical. There's a sass to it. There's an attitude like, you know, um, Mm. if you take, um, oh, what's his name? Like Jean-Paul Gaultier or um, who has, you know, who used Crystal Wren like years ago. He was one of the first uh, big designers to put a curvy woman on the catwalk or, um, you know, Muglia, am I saying that right? He, um, you know, that those kinds of theatrical, um, you know, kind of parades that, that is interesting to me. And that is showing a personality. It's Mm -hmm. not just being like, Oh, this is a person, not even a person. This is a model. You can just like, she can fade into and the background you, you of look this. at the most successful models and yeah. they are all they all have a very definite personality. Yes, yes. And they're, they're the ones energy. that become supermodels. Yeah. So, you know, even as a career, as a model, you want to stand out and you want your personality to stand out. You don't want to be a waif wandering aimlessly down a catwalk in a dress. That's not the that's not why people are in this job You're either. supposed to be iconic. You're supposed to be remember you know you're supposed to be memorable I can still remember my favorite like you know girls walking down the catwalk like I can I can still watch Naomi's hips Mm. like swing swinging in every single thing she wears she brings her own little sass and I think like anytime someone wants to bring up that argument of like no it's all about the clothes it's like that's fucking bullshit yeah the clothes are beautiful yes but the girls who are wearing them are supposed to represent the energy and the fun that you can have in them or you know the the attitude that you can have wearing them that's to to just say oh she's supposed to fade into the background and you know how are we supposed to you know 
notice the clothes on an elephant. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, it's just bullshit. It just makes no sense. So is the demand, and do you both agree that it's high fashion and all fashion or everywhere should have diversity in terms of ranges? Because I know I asked you this, is mm. it every designer they should like every single designer should be having diversity through and i mean size shape color everything no because as a designer you're you that's an artistic pursuit and a creative pursuit and you have a personality that you want to bring to your own brand but what i am asking people to do particularly designers is think about who their customer really is rather than who they perceive that customer to be and use models who more closely represent your actual customer. So, you know, I'm almost saying just come down to earth just for a minute, just for a little minute, and so that you can uh, not close your doors like we've seen so many designers do because they refuse to get rid of that elitist attitude, um, they end up shutting. So rather than do that, just, you know, come walk around the shopping centre at Westfield with me for a day and have a look at actual human beings mm. and then how do we translate um, who is really out there with what you're trying to achieve with your brand and make it a little bit more inclusive. What's wrong with that? You'll get you'll – get more yeah so I actually really love that because I thought you were going to say yes everyone should have it across all things so I do like that because a lot of designers do have that pushback and I have designer friends and they say well some of my clothing doesn't look good on bigger women and so I did want to have a bit of that dialogue because Mm. if fashion Mm. is art then how do where is the space for diversity in art I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, yeah, they're, that's they're not what we're saying. And I think that's why a lot of people assume that we're saying you must do this, all of you. And that is absolutely not what we're saying. What we're saying is please be, please have co- some common sense about yeah. it. Yeah. And so the canvas is the art. Is it the canvas that's the art or is it the artist that needs to change? Well, it's, you can paint whatever you like and only. 10% or 5% of the population will understand your artistic vision and purchase it, you're missing out on 90% of the population who don't understand your vision. Surely there is a way to open up your creative thinking enough to include a little bit more people into your, your vision that's what I'm saying. I think at the end of the day, the, the, you know, artist or not, many of these designers want to make real world money. So, you know, be smart about it. And, you know, I think you have to understand that, yes, we're not asking every designer to go up to a size 30 because we understand that those constructions could be different. Um, you know, it takes a different level of skill to dress, Absolutely. you know, to make different yeah, garments, different ways for different bodies. But, you know, like there are lots of designers who do already go up to an 18, but do they put those kinds of women, you know, curvier bodies on the catwalks? No. And I think that's where we get the most sense. frustrated and that's where people get confused is, is when we get angry about why aren't you showing, you know, curvier models on your collections or yeah. in your campaigns when you already stock that size. Mm. That's what we're saying. And when you know that, like, you know, every single woman, you know, over a certain size and, a, and it, within a certain age bracket is enjoying that, you know, like, you know, I'm just going to I'll put it out there, Zimmerman. You know, mm. I think Zimmerman is a perfect example of a company that, so many women over the age of 40 
own yeah. Zimmerman. Can afford. Yeah, and can afford it. What 19-year-old yeah. do you know, other than her formal dress, is walking around buying Zimmerman dresses all the time? And do mm. they put anyone really uh, over that age off? I think maybe one time they've done it. They've put, a, they've put an older woman. They've never put a curvy girl. Their, their designs and cuts often look really good on curvy women. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? They've, they've got that flowy kind of vibe. I just can't understand. I'm like, you guys can see. Go on your social media. Mm. See where you're, you know, what kind of girls are wearing your clothes. Walk mm. around, like you said, the shopping mall. Walk into any wedding mm. and see how, what sh- sizes and shapes are wearing your, your outfits. And yet you won't, you're, you're the, one of the biggest brands in Australia and you won't even, you know, showcase mm. diversity. Like mm. what the hell is going on? Yeah, I, what are you I so did a panel of? last year and... and- uh, uh, did a Q&A at the end of it and one of the brands, a New Zealand brand, said, you know, I just want to ask, like, we go up to a size 16 but no one ever buys a size 16. And I said, well, what size model are you using? And she said, oh, about an 8 to 10. I said, so how are people supposed to know that you sell a size 16 or a 14? You've intimidated her to even walk into your store. So, yeah, so, you know, you've got to – you've that's why you have to include – models of different sizes in the visual marketing for your campaign. It's not enough just to say we go up to Mm. this size. You know, you've got to translate that onto film so people can actually see it. Mm. And also we'll, you know, those designers at that level are, they're very well, you know, they're very good at their game. They're very well educated at at how to, you know, grade and, and, you know, make a garment Mm. look good. But the thing is if you don't show her, anyone in those clothes how yeah you've already intimidated them when you've sent 30 women down the catwalk who are at the exact same size mm. and that is usually you know really thin mm. so with breaking things in slowly because the industry won't obviously revolutionize overnight and quasi tokenism mm. always matters at first how mm. do we begin to make those little steps and changes and because i'm talking about let's chat let's chat through the benefits and the harms mm. and although we've spoken about um, eating disorders and anxiety and all the rest of it what are the other harms and benefits about when you don't see yourself um, or would you rather start with the benefits i mean i would i would just say that overseas this conversation is already you know it's been had like, you know, and they are already pretty good at include. I mean, but is it, but my, so I, I started researching all about New York fashion week, Paris and all the rest of it. Europe seems to have a slower change than America, yeah, yeah. Europe does. but is it tokenism or is it real meaningful change? Well, I think, I think it's getting there overseas where it is more meaningful change and not tokenism. I think to be 2019 and still here in Australia in a state of tokenism is still pretty, mm. it's pretty bullshit. You need those, leaders though and mm. this is you know my sort of business model I guess for Bella is that like when I first met Jess I said this is going to be really hard because mm. you're of your color and your size so not only are you curvy but you're also mixed race mm. this is we're going to be up against it but I'm I will never give up I'm like a dog with a bone and you know if you're prepared to work with me and we can do it. We can try. So Jess was the token black curvy model mm. in Australia for years. But what she did was open the gate and the doors and the windows for us to be able to get more mixed race, African, Asian models who were curve 
in after her and that's why, you know, so, yeah, it's tokenistic in the beginning but we have to get someone in the door, mm. you know. We have to fight to get at least one person in the door. And you can, you know, you know how many, you kind of realise like after getting the same hold for the same client every single yeah. year and then every year, yeah. you know that someone in the background is fighting for you yeah. and you know someone on their team is fighting for you and then, you know, it takes you five years before yeah. they actually book you yeah. because every year they go with the yeah. Caucasian in effect, you know, yeah, like every year, yeah, yeah. And, and we did have one client. It took us eleven years, didn't it, yeah. to land that client? <laughs> eleven years, but the art director and I were absolutely determined to book Jess on that job, and we finally booked it. And it was like, oh my, that was like the best day ever. And um, it wasn't even that it was like a major, no. huge campaign. It was just, it was just you know, the symbolism of it. Yeah, it was it the was, symbolism of it, yeah. yeah. And um, but on that note, Jess, have you actually ever had someone? say to you, because I saw you in X, I started to see myself as beautiful? Um, I, I, well, I will say that I've had a lot of models come up to me, uh, you know, yeah, in, a, in a Australia of, a who, have said, who have said, you know, I saw you doing, you know, it's the same as when I saw Abby. Yeah. You know, I saw Abby Valdez, you know, shooting uh, in something. Yeah. I think it was a uh, Sarah or something. I don't know where I saw her, but yeah. I, or, and in Cosmo. And I was like, well, I can do this. Yeah. If she can do it. Like, you know, I think I can do it. And then, um, and then I've had girls who've come up to me and been like, well, I saw you could do it. So I thought I could do it. Like, so definitely like it's, it, it is that yeah. kind of like, you just don't know what you're going to do. That's going to make a bit of an impact on somebody else's choices and just boost and their confidence in that little way. You know, and that's the important part for me, you know, yeah. like Rosalind, one of our models um, just did a mini documentary with women about her journey with eating disorders and, and she's an African Australian and she had, she was terrible, struggling terribly with this, with this uh, bulimia, anorexia. And um, she saw a photo of Robin, a curve model who was eating and alive. And it, it as in Robin Lally. actually saved her life. Yes. Right. So that's what's so important to me is that by these images going out every day of my models showing lots of different size diversity and ethnic diversity that it is actually saving people's lives, you know, and we get emails into the office, we get, I get DMs and things now, you know, from mums, dads and the kids themselves saying thank you so much, you know. It's um, it finally snapped me out of my, you know, this problem. Problem, yeah. So on that note, because um, who's perpetuating the status quo in the sense that diversity is somewhat of a trend, whereas how do we get to inclusion? Is it mm. do we get more people into those uh, areas that are making the decisions? Because at the end of the day, I think just like when we watch TV, mm. it's idolized. And so that's what fashion really is. Like everyone wants to be a model because you're shown a glitz, a glamour, a certain lifestyle. It seemed like it's the privilege world. Yeah. And so the importance of I can see myself in that privilege, but where do we where do we really create fundamental change along the way? You know, is it casting directors? Is it CEOs? Is it board members? Is it designers themselves? It's, it's the, every single one of those people. It's yeah. all of us together. And, you know, it's it's got to come from the top down because, you know, most of the time we fight from the bottom up. 
and it'll hit a certain level. It'll hit the creative department and then, you know, the the level above that comes down and goes, oh, oh no, we might alienate our base, you know, when if we... That's what I mean, right? What is this base? Like I was having a conversation earlier around who decided that the white, thin woman Men. was... Oh, right, yeah. so there we go. So that's where it lands back really most of the time. Yeah, and it, that's why our industry is way over-sexualized and that's why, you know... There's no girl gays. You know, so, sex sells. Yeah. And, you know, they, yeah. they... Men have pretty much been using that to market to themselves and their wives. Yeah. So... Lovers for you know years and years and years. Yeah, we got to remember women weren't allowed to hold bank accounts in a lot of Western countries, including Australia, until the seventies without their husband's permission. Um, therefore, it was very difficult for women to run businesses. They couldn't get bank loans. I couldn't even get a bank loan twenty years ago um, because I didn't have a husband. I was single, single female. So most big business has been driven by men. And so men's idea of what women look like has been forced down our throats. Mm. And so the, and the men who don't necessarily like thin white women are also caught up in the same sort of trap that we're all caught up in because they've been brainwashed themselves to believe that that's the only type of woman they're supposed to be attracted to or they don't even realise they've been brainwashed. Mm. So they, you know, they're like, I'm really attracted to like a woman that's curvier and whatever, but I'm not allowed to be. Mm. So it's really weird. I don't know. It's very strange. I had a recent conversation with a friend of mine and um, we were talking about, she was telling me about an insecurity she feels when she's around men. And I said, well, what is it you want when you're around a man? And she was really thinking about it. She's like, oh, I want him to be attracted to me. Mm -hmm. And then I said, and what about when you're like, you've just met me? What, how do you want me to feel? She's like, oh, I want you to respect me and like me. And then we were talking about with what she wears. And she said, and I said, do you wear what you wear because you feel good in it? Or do you wear what you wear because you know, it's going to be the thing that gets you attention. Mm. And she was like, I don't know, perhaps I actually believe that I like it, but really I only like it because it's what I get the most attention in from yeah, men. That's what I mean about the layers and layers and layers and layers of emotional abuse that this causes that you don't even realise has filtered into your mind. And, you know, it's like picking it out, like it's like picking prickles out of your brain, you know, all the little tiny shards that you don't even realise are there. And I still, after all these years working in a body positive space, I still go through that. I'll catch myself and I'll go, oh, my God, I thought I got all those prickles out. But, you know, there's another little cluster that I didn't even know was there. So it's, you know, it's insidious. So if fashion is business and its success is derived on revenue – Businesses would be doing it. Would you agree? Uh, no. 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 Because clearly, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, logically, yes. That yeah, is, logically. you know, logically yeah. you would think so. But, you know, you look at Nike this week. I mean, the the uh, activewear industry is, what is it, $30 billion or yeah. something? And that's US. Um, so why would there be any pushback by extending your sizes to, you know, the, the, showcasing larger sizes to get that customer? Why? The, the logically, that makes sense. Could you clarify what you mean by Nike for those who haven't oh, okay. seen it? Okay, so this week um, Nike uh, in the UK um, showcased uh, their, you know, clothes on curvy, man uh, what was it, size 16? Size? Yeah. It's a US UK. size 16, yeah. which is an Australian size 18, 18. to 20. Yeah, curvy yeah. mannequin. 
And there have been some vile journalists and awful tweets mm. um, going around, you know, vile, vile articles and, and awful obesity. tweets saying, you know, this is promoted obesity and, you know, um, how oh, can you, chestnut. yeah, how can you, how can you look at this and say that it's good and all of these kinds of things. And it's like, well, from a business perspective, if we're just looking at it black and white, which I don't, you know, I've, I've, you know, full disclosure, I've worked with Nike in the past. I think they are on board with um, being a disruptor of of the um, the sportswear industry and not just showing their things on uh, their clothes on, you know, toned, tanned, you know, overly muscular kind mm, of no, bodies. Um, so, you know, I, if you, but if we're going to take that out of it and we just say, well, if it's just purely from a business perspective, well, obviously they want a piece of the pie. You know what I mean? Um, but... Uh, this this idea that that it's just not cool, I think, really overrides a lot of people within business, like who will just say, "Well, it's just not cool for us to show our our clothes on bigger bodies. Like it's just not it's just not our vibe. It's just not." And they're really ignoring their bottom line, which is the fact that it can be increased like crazy amounts because mm. th- these women who who are curvy want to exercise and whether she wants to lose weight or not she has a right to look good while she's doing it mm. you know this could just be her, her body like i don't work out to lose weight i work and i work out in nike i work out in all different kinds of exercise gear and i don't do it because i'm wanting to go three dress sizes smaller so i can fit into a different you know i'm just working out to feel good and feel strong and you know the fact that they just want to use it as like, oh, no, it's just not cool. It's not cool for people to be seen in our clothes. Well, her argument was more about that it perpetuates the idea about obesity. And yeah, promoting. and I get that all the time. Oh, I mean, just, uh, just 20 years of... So because this obviously is one of the most common backlashes that happen to any conversation around body positivity, where does societal acceptance, body positivity, and all of the rest of it end and medical opinion begins? Well... I don't have the right to tell anybody what to do with mm. their own bodies uh, or their own journeys with health. All I'm doing is saying that be the healthiest, happiest version of yourself. Don't worry about what size that is. And that is what I do in my business. If I wouldn't represent a model who I knew to be unhealthy, whether they were underweight or overweight, mm. according to the medical, whatever that is, you know, the BMI, which everyone's proved is is crap anyway. But... <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's true. No, it is. So, and over the years, the amount of people who have called me out or called one of my models out for being obese, and I've said, let's go for a run. Why don't, why don't you come? We'll ring today, tonight, or a current affair. We'll go down to the gym, we'll go down to fitness first, or we'll go for a run around the park and go for a run with my girls, or go, you know, do a gym workout with them. And let's do it on camera uh, so everyone can see how healthy you are in comparison to my models. Do you know, not one person has ever taken me up on that. Never. So, you know, they have no idea. My Most of my models are really healthy, athletic and, and, and girls. That, like, totally. You know, they run marathons. They do, you know, I don't, I can't run anything anymore because I've got fibromyalgia, but I'm a Bodhi. I can haul a 75 kilo anchor out of the water. Yeah. You know, it's not fitness and balance and, and all of that. It's not about size. Well, I feel like there's just a lot of stereotypes. Like one, bigger girls don't have good fashion sense, which is why, you know, bigger women just have which dorky clothing. one of the most offensive things ever. Because, yeah. You know. And then the other is that they're lazy and all the rest of it. Whereas 
some body shapes are actually just different. And then going back to um, plastic surgery and the perpetuation of that in society has been actually quite insane. And people removing ribs, getting butt implants Mm. and all the rest of it. Like, where does this kind of end? Where does this stop? Well, I mean, you know, in relation to what Chelsea was just saying, like there is, of course, that physical element of fitness and, you know, Mm. that curvy women are fit. Like, you know, we do like working out, but also mental fitness. Mm. You know, I think that, you know, if you... I think a lot of, especially models that Chelsea represents, like out. and that's yeah. okay too. And I, yeah, you know, but, why, but I think why is that okay? You don't have to, but I think a lot of women that you represent, and I know that, like you know, all the girls that I know are yeah. very mentally happy with themselves like you know and and genuine it's a genuine sense of like I enjoy my body and I enjoy the body I'm in and I don't go every day punishing it to be different like you know I don't I don't starve myself and I don't I don't punish myself in the gym to be different I enjoy myself and I think that's a health conversation you know people can talk about obesity or whatever as much as they want but you know weight is just one measurement of health like you know that is just one measurement of health we can talk about all different kinds of measurements of health. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of someone said to me, I can't remember where it was now, but somebody said to me, how many skinny old people do you see in a nursing home? And I thought, that's so true. Like nanas tend to be little chubby, you know, huggy nanas, don't they? You don't, you very rarely see a very slim nana. So, you know, people talk about longevity and all of that. My nana, never exercised but in her day exercise was not a thing that ladies did mm. you know you didn't sweat mm. you might you know throw the tennis ball around a little bit and have a cocktail but you didn't actually sweat yeah and I mean just trying to get her to go for a walk around the block now she lived she was 87 yeah you know and she was fine right to the end so and I, and I think a lot of physically fit and healthy people outwardly like outwardly looking that you would look at and you'd say yeah you could run a marathon you look really you know I think a lot of those people could be hiding their own issues I mean look at Jane Fonda when she was 45 Mm. releasing all of those um you know fitness videos and everything like that she still had a a, a bad case of bulimia and eating disorders so it's like you know and she would you know I listened to her talking come out and admitted you know that she wasn't a healthy person yeah and so it's like Looking at someone and judging their weight is, is bottom line, one way of judging someone having no idea of the full picture. Mm. So just shut the fuck up. Like, honestly, just shut up. Like, if that's your argument, it's flawed, it's ridiculous, and it makes no sense. And it's, it's infuriating to listen to because clearly a moron I just try arguing to the picture. Remember, you know, I go, I, I go to that place, you know, they just fuck, shut oh. up. <laughs> Because I, I'm Place. angry about it today. But, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I do go there with my head, and then I, then I sort of go, okay, you are. This is a young soul here. This is not someone who's a deep thinker. This is a new person on the earth. This is someone who's been brainwashed, and they don't even understand that they have been. And so, how do we cut through? So I have to always keep reframing because otherwise, I just walk around angry, throwing chairs through the window mm. all the time. Yeah, you know. So I have to just keep reframing every day every hour sometimes depending on my day okay I don't like that but then yelling's not going to help so no. how do I how do I educate this person you know and you've got to learn to just block start? it out and be like look the the, the, the people who come at you with the, like you know I, I wrote a little Instagram post about that that Nike incident yesterday and as did a lot of women who were hurt by some of the comments mm. and things like that but 
you know, at the end of the day, they can use all the excuses that they want. It, it, at the, they're fat phobic. They're afraid of fat. Mm. Like, you know, but people they're being making, taught to be afraid of fat. Exactly. And that's they're a victim exactly themselves. my point. They're a victim themselves and they don't yeah. even realise it. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's how I get through the day is that I know they've been brainwashed. And so, you know, they need to, we need to help them detox. So what's the end goal for diversity in fashion? What does it look like? Paint me a picture. When will we tick it and say, we hit it, we did it, we achieved it? Like, what does that mean? It just means that people are, are booked to represent the diversity of humanity in general and that brands and designers and advertisers are more aware of who the real customer is and also aware of the power they have to either damage, further damage or increase the health and well-being of the citizens of this world and if they're going to use their power use it for good and you know follow the examples of other brands like Dove like you know Airy like you know those and we're seeing brands like the Iconic and um, Sports Girl have been running some great campaigns for the younger gen um, that are more personality based rather than looks based and you know I think that's that's fantastic I want to see more of that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I just think it's it's when we can be interested in all different aspects of of somebody, you know, showcasing something. If they if 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 they are held up as a model, and I do air quotes, um, you know that that they have an in, they're, they're interesting. They've got interesting facets of their personality, and they're not just there, you know, going back to someone just calling you know models wife that's supposed to blend into the background. I think it's when we can look and and see a story there. And see that there is a lot of different interesting elements to all different models wearing different things or advertising different things. And and the fact that everyone can see a little piece of themselves represented. You know, you don't have to have it's a carbon. The board. It's like, well, unless you, you know, white and straight, you can't go on a holiday, apparently. Well, so. You can't get a bank loan, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you can't buy beauty products. You can't, you know, buy shampoo. Mm. You can't. It's not just fashion. Yeah. It's absolutely every everything single thing that we see in our life. Well, yeah, that's like if you look at a, um, any advertisement for a trip to Bali, right? It's mm. a hotel. It's beauty. No one's showing you stray dogs and poor people on the street, no. which is a large portion of yeah. what Bali is. So yeah. it is always going to sell us a dream. Mm. And on that note, I do want to somewhat challenge the fact of teasing this argument apart. Winnie Harlow, who, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, is a very famous model. She has a skin um, pigmentation, so it's, you know, the black and white skin. And she said, uh, the Victoria's Secrets runway needs to be representative of reality. Now, let's just talk reality for a second, because the reality is Victoria's Secrets, models in general, they're never going to be representative of reality as a whole, because reality isn't a bunch of beautiful women all the time. Because I just have a question here. Is it truly representative? Are we happy with diversity as long as it's aesthetically pleasing? Well, I think Victoria's Secret will be a brand that we're no longer talking about very shortly. But I just mean in the direction. But I just mean in taking that statement around, it should be representative of reality. But I mean, fashion is an elitist subculture within itself, which is fine. But so are we happy if there's lots of diversity? What we've got to redefine is what is inspirational, what is aspirational. And that's what our marketing uh, and advertising leaders need to redefine. We can redefine 
what who people look up to and what they look up to through our marketing. We can do that. So thus far it has been, you know, skinny white women. We can change that. We can teach the next generation to look up to thought leaders, to look up to activists. More than just a pretty face. That's right. We can do it. But, you know, we just need to do it together. You can still have someone who's, you know, really photogenic representing your brand but not necessarily, you know, the exact measurements of your sample size 10 or 8 or whatever it is or, you know. And, and and like what I mean with Victoria's Secret won't be a brand that's around much longer and I think a lot of brands of that ilk will not be brands that we are talking about. They will no longer be the ones that we define as successful models of what we look to as, as the epitome of fashion. Mm. I think it'll be brands like Christian Siriano. I think it'll be brands that are a lot more inclusive and celebrate um, the individuals that they choose to dress. Yeah. So you're saying, because I mean, you're a very successful curve model yourself, which actually I want to touch on the lang- the language. Um, I, I kept on reading. So if you, if you look at most curve models or even mm. like if they're a, a black designer, it'll always say black designer. It won't say designer, blah, blah, blah. It's always labeled at, at the front end of things mm-hmm. in contrast to the, the mainstream and large populace. But on that note, Jess, you know, you are curvaceous, but you are also aesthetically stunning and beautiful. And so what about in regards to when, you know, uh, there's a bigger woman, but she just doesn't have the same face. Mm. And so that's what I mean when in regards to advertising. And then also how do you do a campaign that says not just a pretty face and then that girl is inherently being told, you're not beautiful, but you're worthy of. Do you know what I mean? Like there, at the end, like there, there are, there are um, factors and things that come into play with all of this. So I'm just trying to gauge what's the limit of how far we go yeah. to make sure we are saying diversity and inclusion, but then where does it stop? My limit is photogenics, you know, because – it doesn't matter if you're beautiful or not considered beautiful as far as, you know, what's currently considered beautiful, which changes every year, um, sometimes every season. So, but you still, to be able to translate the vision that you have for your marketing campaign onto film using a human being, that human being still needs to be photogenic. Mm. And it, that, that's not necessarily anything to do with beauty, Mm. Like idealistic beauty. Some of the most beautiful images I've ever seen are just character images. Mm. Amazing ca- for people with, you know, character faces, and but they're able to connect with the camera through their eyes. So, and that's the most important thing. So, it's really for me that's it's not about beauty. It's about you know, yeah, you still have to be photogenic. So as we kind of, I guess, look forward and I know certainly as I've gotten older, I'm becoming a lot more aware of where I'm spending my purchasing power. Mm. And I think most women who are listening to this, they're never going to be models. They have no aspiration to be a model. Mm. But due to the fact that diversity is what perpetuates, uh, sorry, what will go into an industry, what will perpetuate into mainstream. So then young girls see themselves so they don't feel like they are excluded and all the rest of it. Mm. What would you say is all of our... um, individual responsibility to continue to help this change so more women are seeing themselves? Well, I mean, we have the perfect platform where, you know, in ye olden days we didn't have social media and we didn't have a way to connect directly with the brand or with the designer or with the art directors and, you know, the people who are making those decisions. We do now. So, you know, I would just ask everyone to keep asking for diversity. You know, I'd really love to see more of, you know, 
mixed race included. I'd really love to see more size. I'd really love to see, uh, you know, more gender diverse, you know. Keep asking, ask, 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 ask. Get on those accounts and say, hey, where am I? I'm, I'm one of your best shoppers. I spend, mm. you know, $2,000 a year on your stuff or $10,000 a year on your stuff, you know, and I never, ever see myself. I'm going to pull my money off you and go spend it elsewhere unless I do, mm. you know. We need everybody voice included in this conversation so Mm. I think you're right I think if you add up the numbers of where you spend your money like you treat yourself like an account Mm. like treat yourself like an account in that business Mm. and you can seriously say like I spend x amount of money you know even if it's places you know department stores any anything you add up how much money you spend there and you think is this place worth my investment yeah. in this keep in the, for this to keep going? Yeah. Because I'm not feeling like I'm getting what I want and you need to treat yourself like an account mm. and be like, I'm not getting what I want. I'm taking my money elsewhere because mm. there is other places where you can go and spend your money and you need to tell them, Yeah, you know, and That's so right. purchase power is really important. And these days there are other places to go and spend yeah. your money as well. So there, it's not like you don't have anywhere. There are other, you know, retailers who are specialising in diversity and making sure that they're, you know, designing and buying product for all different body types. So mm-hmm. there are those stores and retailers online and bricks and mortar who are available to you if you widen your circle a little bit. I wasn't going to go down this route, but I'm actually curious to know your opinion. Do you think the diet industry has created more of a problem or the fashion industry? in regards to most well, women's body issues. Yeah, I, I think it's all, I think it's hand in hand. I, I don't know who I would, I think it's, you know, what your chicken or the egg kind of thing, like, you know. Yeah, well, we've seen a growth in the diet industry of 400% since the 70s. Yeah, like everyone is, no one wants to get fat and you're complimented on when you lose weight. I don't think I've ever had anyone say to me, you've put on weight, you look great. <laughs> Whereas anytime I lose weight, they're like, oh, you've lost a bit of weight. You look really good, you look really fit and healthy. I think it's funny how we try and, you know, I, I, I was, um, I think I've read Roxane Gay sort of said, we need to stop treating people's bodies like they're, you know, um, transitioning into their better selves. You know, Mm. we need to stop looking at somebody and thinking, oh, you know, and imagining how they could be better if they, and, and a lot of the times it's weight based, how they could be better. Oh, if they yeah, lost uh, some weight, if they put on weight, I, I think we need for every time I was, Oh, you'd be so beautiful. If you just lost a few yeah. kilos, you know, total strangers. And, and it's like, we need to stop. That's Crazy. a strange thing that we walk up to somebody and immediately I, you know, I even do it like, you know, I've had to un, you know, you know, deprogram my brain from thinking like that. But like, yeah, I think we were always programmed from the diet industry as well um, to look at somebody and go and imagine them at a better weight or Mm. at at their ideal self. You know what I mean? And we need to stop doing that. Like we need to stop walking up to somebody and imagining how their hair could be better. I mean, just the other day I got so pissed off at this friend of a friend who, you know, I love to play with my hair. I have all different hairstyles. I've got all different weaves, girl. Like, you know, I've got all (laughs) these different things going on. That's because I have curly hair and I don't like damaging it by putting heat on it. So I put all pieces in if I'm going to style it differently. I have a right to do that. It's my hair. I can do what I want. And this girl sort of came up to me and she said like, oh, I think you look so much better with your hair like like this and blah, blah, blah. And I just literally was like, I didn't ask for your opinion, mm. you know, and I would not have normally said that, but I was just like, I'm, you know, it's like, I, why are we always giving an opinion or a thought? And, and the thing is, 
our thoughts, whether we say them out loud or not, the energy that we give off is there. Mm. And, you know, someone can feel that kind of disappointment that we have like, oh, God, I haven't seen you for two years and you've really stacked it on. Or, you know, oh, you've really, you know, you've lost so much weight. You look horrible. Like Mm. it's like we just need to sort of accept people's bodies as they are in front of us unless they overtly tell us, hey, I need help you know, can you go for a walk with me or, hey, can you come and eat with me or Mm. whatever? Like Mm. it just needs to, we just need to stop doing it. Yeah, we're perpetuating Mm. enough self-loathing. Yeah, and that comes from, you know, watching before and after makeover shows. So, yeah, that's the media and the diet industry at the same Mm. time. And, you know, during the ad breaks for those shows, there is a million and one Weight Watchers ads or whatever, you know. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say about fashion and, and, and diet products, you know, that diet product industry supports the fashion industry because they take out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of advertising every month Mm. um, in the magazines and that's what keeps the magazines going. So, Mm. you know, so it's uh, unfortunately it's it's completely really tied up together, those two industries. Yeah. 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 And you say every time you say plus editorial or a curve editorial, um, you know, the page after that will be diet. It'll be join Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers every time. You go through your magazines, I'm telling you, every time. That is it, so fucked yeah, up. It is. It's completely fucked up. But that's, you know, we've... That shows you how aware they are of what they're doing. Oh, the yeah. The powers that be. Yeah. You know, and it's but not... That's, that's, that's what I was saying before about fear-based... Marketing. Marketing. Exactly. You know, you, you, that's how they get you. Yeah. So it's, it's not a mistake... No. That this is still happening. But there These is a are choices people are making. Yeah, a, we've I've seen in the last twelve months, particularly a real pushback on, you know, women are just getting smarter and smarter and smarter every day. And women are calling the shots. Yeah. They're making their way up in their businesses, That's and they're not true. allowing this to happen. Yeah, you know, they're embarrassed. So one of the core questions of the modern women is: Our voices are getting louder, but are we being heard? Mm. Would you say it's a yes or a no? Yes, for me. I mean. I've been running Bella for 20 years now, nearly 21, I think. And I've before that I was a curve model. So I've come right through mm. since the beginning of this industry and I've seen a massive change. So although we still have a long, long, long way to go, I feel like we are being heard. I think we're being heard and, and you know, and we've also got vocal male allies, which are mm, equally which as important. More of and, yeah. and so I think it's it's everyone's voices in this in this argument for diversity is being heard because, you know, this issue, whether you understand it fully or not, or, you know, you are aware of it or not, it, you know, clothes it touches everyone, you know, and that's just clothing, beauty, fashion, everything that we are advertised. It, well, it's it express your inside on the outside, yeah. isn't it? So that's why it's so, you know, important. And people don't even realise how influenced they are into different groups, into different demographics, into different subcultures by their choices of what they wear on the outside. You know, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's a real psychological sort of minefield yeah even if someone has no interest in fashion I think if you broke it down the what you wear each day is not a mistake like deep down in your psyche it was a choice somewhere in there whether it was the anti-choice of making the you know the choice whether it's you're schleppy well why are you schleppy because I'm rejecting the entire society of caring and you know like why you exactly there is a choice you are 
expressing yourself in what you wear. Mm. And, you know, that's you You can actually prove that by putting someone in something that, that it, if they say, I don't care about fashion, I don't care about anything, you know, to do with this, we'll put them in something that makes them uncomfortable. And mm. say, yeah, and you care can see their now? whole bodies yeah. change. Yeah, that's and right. you see the way that they change. So it's... It is something that we all need to be united, men and women, because it's something that affects us all. It'll Mm. affect next generations. You know, it might seem silly and it might seem trivial on the surface, but like I said, it's a choice we make every day. Mm. So it's not. It's it's meaningful. That's right. So before I ask you my final question, where can everyone find you? Oh, well, you can find me at my desk most days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and on management or um, on Instagram or, or on Instagram just at Chelsea Bonner and yeah I think I'm on most platforms is at Jessica Vandalay and lay is not how it's spelt at all l-e-a-h-y thank you That's I'll Irish include all those in there <laughs> so Chelsea I'll start with you you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you can offer them one piece of advice what would you say mm. I think I would say don't worry about what other people think of you. The only person you have to go to bed with at night really is yourself and you are way stronger, way braver and way smarter than you think you are. And I know you've had it before, Jess, but let's see if you can give me a round two. I had to host this event recently actually and get up and talk in front of all these people and um, and I said that I was nervous when I started. And the thing is, I realized that it freed me up to be exactly how I wanted to be because then I wasn't putting another level of um, pressure on myself, which is, hey, pretend you're not nervous because I was, you know. And so I think I would just say that there's value in vulnerability and, you know, just get out there and do your best. I feel like that is a wonderful note to finish on because it's the idea of just accepting who you are and where you are. Yeah. Thank you both so much for your time and for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.